You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 171 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In November of last year, in 2017, I was officially invited to podcast the Altered Conference in Berlin. It's a way to alter your perceptions of things and look in a different direction and find new ways of behaving or find new ways of uh, changing your behavior or find new ways of looking at a situation. That's what Alter is about for me, is just finding a way to consciously change. Uh, So if that's with psychedelics, if that's with bodywork, if that's with magic, if that's with sex, tarot, whatever, whatever it is, those are things that we want to explore. However it is that you explore consciousness, we want to we want to be part of that. So our main website is alteredconference.com, and if you look up us, look us up on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where we have representation there as well. This episode is the third part in this series, and in this one I'll be talking to Dr. Brian Duggan. Brian has been teaching computer science and game development in the Dublin Institute of Technology for 15 years. His courses encourage students to learn, discover and express themselves through creative coding. He is the AI developer for Deep, a meditative and psychoactive virtual reality experience designed to relieve anxiety. In his spare time he enjoys yoga, meditation, running, clubbing and playing traditional Irish music on the wooden flute. So thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. So uh, talk a bit about what you do. So uh, my name is Brian Duggan and I teach computer science, I teach programming in the Dublin Institute of Technology in Ireland. So I'm teaching mostly courses to uh, game designers and uh, teach creative coding courses. Uh, I teach courses on VR, uh, VR and artificial intelligence for video games. And how does this connect to psychedelics? So I'm here at uh, Altered Conference and I'm talking about exploring the psychedelic experience through virtual reality. So um, basically I'm looking at the psychedelic experience and then looking at ways that the psychedelic experience can be conveyed through uh, immersive virtual reality. So I'm looking at like a bit, let's see, I think I have about five projects that I'm talking about that are kind of inspired by either the psychedelic aesthetic or a bit psychedelic consciousness or like the idea of awakening, you know, and how VR can awaken us to uh, aspects of our true nature or aspects of the nature of reality. It sounds like a good idea, but is it possible, because there's many aspects of the psychedelic experience that would be very difficult to code? 
Yeah, I agree. I think that they're kind of two different things. And even though there's a forum called Rift Into the Mind where people talk about VR projects that are good to do with psychedelics, my own personal experience is that the two things are kind of like sort of mutually exclusive. If I want to have a psychedelic experience, usually I'm going to like have a you know, in a quiet environment with minimal distractions, um, ideally out in nature, quite far away from technology. But um, yeah, there are people that like to sort of combine the two. But I think there are some aspects of the psychedelic experience which can be conveyed through virtual reality. Like, first of all, there are virtual reality projects which are very psychedelic in the use of color and the use of, um, you know, the aesthetic of the project. And, you know, so, so that's the first type. Then there are also some projects, like I'll give you a couple of examples, right? There's a project called uh, SoundSelf, which is by a developer called Robert Arnott. And his project was inspired by an LSD trip that he had at Burning Man. And so what that is, it's actually a sound-activated project, right? So you basically sing into the microphone and the sound gets reflected back at you in all kinds of beautifully distorted ways. And then also there's a generative uh, visual which is like very fractal-like, and this gets generated, you know, visually in front of you in 3D because you're wearing a VR headset. And the whole experience was quite meditative, you know, um, because of the sound aspect of it. Like it has the effect when you're making these like almost mantra-like or, you know, drone sounds with your voice. Like this has the effect of stilling the mind in the same way that a psychedelic experience can have the effect of like stilling your default mode or your conscious mind. Similarly, we have a project called Deep, and the deep is a breathing meditation project that you do in virtual reality. So with deep, you wear a breathing sensor and the breathing sensor then translates your breaths in the real world into this sort of fantasy underwater experience where you get the experience of deep sea diving. And, uh, you know, it's like about a 15 minute experience. You travel through the environment, you interact with different creatures and lots of the environment also will respond to your breath. So, for example, when you're passing through some areas there are these light responsive rocks that will glow really intensely whenever you inhale. And so this project, because it incorporates the breathing aspect, also has this sort of meditative quality that people find when they do the experience, you know, it brings them into a sort of like a deeper awareness of their breath. And of course, breathing meditation is a really ancient technique, you know, from Vipassana meditation or from yoga. So it has the effect also of stilling the mind. So I think these are types of um, psychedelic or types of virtual reality projects which can also convey something of psychedelic consciousness which is this distilling of the mind what about this aspect where you go into yourself your own memories and and those those things you can't program so then you i guess you have to program an environment that triggers that yeah um i yeah there there are definitely you know aspects of the experience which can't be really conveyed through vr because you you know but there, there is another aspect to it, like which I, I talk about in my talk here, and that's maybe the sort of like analogy that code, programming code is like thought, right? So for me as a programmer, like coding, writing computer programs is just like such an important part of my life. And um, I find this is just the way I think. I tend to think in sort of like abstract thoughts and I'm able to like develop a mental model, for example, for the creatures I want to program. And I find that that's very much like, like to say the first phase of a psychedelic experience. You get this like deep insight into the connection between, you know, in my case, the connection between the creatures and how their, their bodies are going to interact, how they're going to interact with the player and how they're going to interact with the world. 
So, and then you go and basically like make your thoughts real. And how you do that is by actually bringing the code and then putting the code onto a machine. And then through that process, I feel this is a way of like actually visualizing your thoughts. So like I say, I get the impression or I have the idea of how I want things, something to move in VR. I conceive of it and then I code it into the machine. And then there's a visionary aspect then, like which, which means like it sort of like comes to life, you know? And then also, like, this has awakened me to sort of like an aspect of my true nature, which is this ability to basically create beautiful things out of code. I always had this uh, philosophical idea that uh, one day in the future we'll all be uploaded into VR 100%. Mm-hmm. And then one day in that existence, somebody invents VR. Somebody invents VR, and that's where we are now. Yeah. So that like comes back to maybe the fractal, the fractal uh, nature, you know, as above, so below. Um, I'm like, there's, there's a, there's a sort of, a, there's a thing called this, the simulation hypothesis. So the simulation hypothesis, like, and there's apparently some evidence for it. If you look at quantum mechanics, um, this idea that like this reality is a simulation of um, of a reality which is running on a, like a different dimensional reality. I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical about that. I think definitely when you do VR, you do have the sense maybe when you take the headset off, you know, you wonder, are you still in VR? You know, maybe you, is this a simulation? My personal feeling is I feel that those kind of discussions are kind of pointless discussions because I don't think that they really get you anywhere. You know, they're just like philosophical discussions that we can never probably establish the truth or otherwise of. You know, I think for me, say, doing um, creative work through code, like that's an immediate thing. Like that's, that's as Terence McKenna would say, the felt presence of direct experience, you know, which I think is a more, it's a more like fundamental, sort of it's a more fundamental, um, like elemental um, you know, like process to to have the same thing. Like when I'm having a, like a psychedelic experience, for me, I like to get maybe, for example, a deeper connection to nature or a deeper appreciation for the cycles of life and death. You know, for the actual reality of you know the world and the environment in which we live in. Maybe just a deeper connection to the earth. You know, that's 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 the thing that's more meaningful for me uh, when I take psychedelics. And nowadays, the the quality and the realism of what people have programmed are almost close to as real as it is, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to objects or trees, but still far away from the that, uh, I don't know what it's called, you know, the human face. Mm-hmm. It's, it, they're coming closer and closer, but it, there's still something missing. What do you think that is? Yeah, so you, you probably heard <clears throat> a term called the uncanny valley. So the uncanny valley is when you have, for example, a, a simulation of a human face, and it's quite real, but it, it sort of misses the, um, it, like there's something missing. So a person can always tell it's fake. It's like a robot version of a face. <clears throat> and actually, that's more unsettling to people than if you made, for example, a cartoon or a stylized version of the face, where people immediately know that it's not real. So in my VR projects, um, the deep project, for example, the underwater environment, I suppose like it has like a Disney quality um, and there's a certain flat shaded quality. So people know that it's not real. At the same time, I think it feels more um, immersive because of that, because we don't try and actually emulate reality. And then my other project, Infinite Forms, everything is generated from either code or from geometric primitives. So it's very much looks like a computer generated reality. But the... Um, the realism and the sort of like anthropomorphic quality 
comes from the animations which are generated by algorithms. But um, yeah, what is the missing thing? It's hard to say. I mean, there's some, you know, we, we're basically, we have evolved over millions of years to be able to recognize um, faces and to be able to recognize real people. So it's going to take a while before I think computers reach that, or we reach that level of understanding as to what it is like that makes something, uh, you know, we can distinguish between a real person and, a, and an artificial person. Because I, I think <clears throat> animals have a spirit and, and, and you can look into their soul, but they've managed to make those realistic. I don't Well, or maybe it's because we're not animals, but I've seen mm. some pretty realistic animals in yeah. digital form. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think, uh, like Terence McKenna in his work, he talks about the Silicon Sea. I mean, my feeling for virtual reality is that okay, some virtual reality will try and create the real world, but I think that sort of misses the point and misses the opportunity of VR. The opportunity of VR is to be able to do things which aren't possible in the real world. So like, for example, there's a lot of work in what's called haptics, VR haptics, right? And this is a big limitation of current VR systems is that you can't actually touch things and your hands can move through. But after a while, you just say, this is not reality, this is a virtual reality. And you have to accept that in VR, the rules are going to be different. I think if you accept that, then the simulations become more immersive and they become something which is like not trying to necessarily recreate this reality, but it's trying to create something different in the virtual world. It could be cool to uh, combine VR with AR and make something in VR. And then when you go out of it and you have your AR, you still have the object. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, I suppose, actually, that's a really kind of interesting idea. And it's sort of like, you know, if you think about, um, I remember when I was a little boy, I used to have a dream that I owned a rocket. I remember in my dream thinking, if I just hold on to this rocket tightly enough, when I wake up, it's going to be still there. So it's the same kind of idea, being able to bring things back from your dreams. So uh, you mentioned earlier that like, people, some people have done psychedelics and done VR and Uh, I try not to, but on one occasion I looked on my phone while doing psychedelics, and it's like hurts your eyes, I, and it's very—it's like glowing pixels. So I don't imagine it would be ples- uh, pleasant to be in v- virtual reality, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, I, I think the big challenge is the fact that your conscious mind and your connection to this reality is lessened in a psychedelic experience. So therefore, I think stuff like dealing with... At the moment, VR is just complicated to set up. There's too many wires. There's too many like things that are that can go wrong. So I think I would actually personally find it just a challenge, you know, too, too, too physically difficult and too cognitively difficult to make VR work. You know, my, my feeling is like, you know, go out into nature and look at a flower. That's, that's the best way to have a psychedelic experience. In Finland, every apartment almost has a sauna, And uh, do you maybe think in the future that we'll have a VR room? Good, good question. Um, I'd say probably what's more likely to happen is that VR technology will become ubiquitous and cheap and small and light. So in the same way that people have a smartphone or maybe wear headphones, I think people will just be able to put on their VR headset and it'll be fairly kind of like lightweight thing that will beam the images directly onto your retina you know i think that's probably more likely that it's just like everyone will have vr you know it'll just be ubiquitous because i the few times i've tried it you know once at the friend's house and it, or it was a small flat he had and you can create your own flat mm. in vr and he had a huge house you know yeah. on top of a mountain uh, so it would benefit those people who live very cramped 
Yeah, I agree. And actually, I've seen some studies on the use of VR in a therapeutic context, for example, for older people in care homes. You know, um, in fact, like at that stage, they're more likely to be kind of more receptive because they don't notice the pixels and all the imperfections. But yeah, from the possibility of being able to offer people the ability to travel to places that they wouldn't otherwise be able to travel to, I think it has great potential from that perspective. So if people want to get into VR, there's so many systems now. Which are the best or or affordable? <laughs> yeah, um, so the Oculus system is pretty affordable now. It's just like 400 euro, and that comes with the two uh, touch controllers. I think that's probably, in my opinion, maybe the best system that's around. Um, the Vive system, which has got the room scale tracking, like that's about, I think it's about 700 quid. There's actually a new system coming out, the Windows VR system. You know, Windows now has a platform for VR, Windows 10. And there's a really cool headset called the Samsung uh, Odyssey. But unfortunately, it's not available in Europe just yet. But those headsets look really cool because they actually have a thing called inside-out tracking, which means that they don't have any cameras or they don't have any sensors around the room. The actual positional tracking is built into the headset using the sort of HoloLens technology that Microsoft has developed. So I'm really, really excited for the potential of those new headsets. But doesn't the Oculus have a controller you hold with both hands? Yeah, so there's a different hand controller. There's hand controllers for both hands, yeah. But you need two cameras, you know. That's the, that's the small, small, small limitation of the Oculus system. The first time I tried uh, VR, even though I was well-read on the subject, I was still had this aha moment when the guy guiding me said oh it's behind you and I, I was trying like well how do I turn around and he said turn your head oh, yeah yeah nice like that happens you know um I, I think similarly for me the first time the first VR experience I tried was the roller coaster on the Oculus D- DK1 which is like a really old uh, project now but it's like so immersive and um you know, there's a moment in it when you get to a really high point and then the roller coaster like makes a huge big dip and actually you do feel, you know, you feel uh, you, your, your stomach rises like and you get a really cool sensation of falling, you know. So, yeah, VR is very immersive. I noticed when you were taking down your PowerPoint that you, uh, I saw a Minecraft app uh, on your laptop if it was your laptop maybe different laptop oh maybe it was a different laptop uh but i always thought that that game is made for vr yeah agreed and then microsoft actually bought that company and so they have released a version of minecraft for the hololens you know which is their what you call they call mixed reality platform and uh, yeah it looks pretty amazing i will say it looks pretty amazing in vr and in ar so uh, if people want to check you out your work, where can they do that? So I have a blog. It's uh, Brian Duggan. That's B-R-Y-A-N-D-U-G-G-A-N dot org. And uh, a lot of uh, links to my projects are there with YouTube videos and pictures. And you can follow me on Twitter as well. So I'm at Scooter500. That's S-K-O-O-T-E-R-5-0-0. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Great chatting with you. Thanks. So Brian's website is brianduggan.org, and that's Duggan with two Gs. You can also connect with him on Twitter at Scooter500. That's five zero zero. 
Also go to Altered Conference to check out the conference itself. Maybe you want to join it next time it appears in this world we call reality. The music you hear fading out in the background is made by C418. And if you've ever played Minecraft, which we mentioned a bit in in this episode, uh, then I'm sure you recognize it. And that's why I'm playing it. Um, Before I close this episode, I have a short announcement. You are humbly invited to support this podcast and by doing so, keeping it free from corporate influence. Do you want to listen to alchemists, magicians, shamans and psychonauts? Or do you want to listen to humans possessed by dark and demonic forces that intends to lure you into their web of consumerism? I'm sure you choose the former, so please support the podcast. Join us at the round table of the Divine Mystery as an intergalactic spirit warrior and ally to the glorious art of alchemy. Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist if you want to become a patron. And for only a couple of bucks a month, you will be able to access additional content, deleted episodes and other exclusive material as well. And be able to listen to episodes way before they are released. And if you don't want to do this, that's fine too. You are loved nonetheless. Thank you. Let's end this episode with another newer C418 track called Stranger Underscore Think from the album Two Years of Failure. If you want to check out C418's music, go to c418.org. All the relevant links will be posted in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Freedom is in the mind.